podcast about a nice little town. Talking to people you know about the places you go. We Lockville, look at Tona podcast. A town so nice that they rolled it away. Dave, Rich, and Craig have some things to say about Katona. Welcome to Whitlockville, a Katona podcast. I'm Rich Knopke, along with Dave Becker. Contrary to popular opinion, Craig Johnson is not off on assignment doing a Passover Seder, uh, but rather he is recovering from uh, coronavirus. Um, He's doing well. He's uh, at the the end of it. Um, he's come out of it pretty well. High fever, but but um, and it sounds like it's a beast of of a thing. But he's doing really well. And and Craig, we miss you. We're thinking of you, and um, uh, we can't wait to have you back here. Dave. Amen, brother. Well said. Uh, so we are recording this on Wednesday, April 8th, towards the tail end of four weeks into social distancing and semi isolation. Dave, I'm starting to feel a little like Tom Hanks in Castaway, except instead of an island, we're in our houses. My beard is getting long, and my son is starting to talk to his basketball. I'm starting to get a <laughs> starting to get a little little nervous for him. Did Did he name the basketball yet? Uh, uh, Wilson. Oddly enough, um, this morning I read that the U.S. has surpassed 425,000 cases of coronavirus, the most of any nation, along with close to 14,500 deaths. Both are horrific numbers. Many people are dying uh, alone. New York State itself has more cases than Italy, uh, and I do wonder if that New York number includes the Bronx Zoo's tiger that was diagnosed earlier this week. Numbers over the last couple of days do suggest a flattening of the curve, which is good news. Last week, unemployment filings totaled 6.6 million. And I read this morning that the UN put out a report saying 195 million jobs will be wiped out worldwide during this crisis. Finally, if that weren't all bad enough, Dave, I'm sorry to say that as we predicted off air after last pod, King Cone has delayed their opening. Is that official? Yeah, I don't. I, I saw that on Katona uh, Parents the other day. Um, how are you doing? What's how are you doing over there? I was managing until you just gave me that little tidbit about King Cone. That was kind of the thing that I was at my glimmer of hope. Um, we're 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 managing well. Um, all kidding aside, healthy. Uh, I, I don't know always about happy. Um, but we're spending obviously a lot of family time. One of the things that's interesting is, you know, you got to find ways to spend the time. And normally, you know, our Saturdays and Sundays would consist of this field to that field to that activity to this. And that's obviously not happening now. So I spent, I would say, 75% of last weekend um, with a 13 cubic yard pile of sweet peat, which I never had the pleasure of doing, but getting to exercise uh, some of my dormant gardening capabilities Mm -hmm. is one of the side benefits of this whole, uh, this whole journey. Anything that you've been doing that you never anticipated doing? Well, anticipate, I don't know. I I do feel like I could put uh, on my resume going forward, IT person. 
Uh, I am the head uh, of IT in our household with the kids uh, doing Zoom and my wife doing uh, Zoom now, uh, classes over Zoom. I've, I've really been in charge of, of ramping that up for them. Um, I hate hearing my name. Uh, there's a special way that they, they call out your name. I don't know if that, I'm sure it's the same thing um, in your house. It's like there's a dad or Rich. There was a, there was a time actually when Jess, we, we first um, had Haley and there were so many things, you know, when you first get out of the hospital, uh, Jess first gets out of the hospital, she just couldn't do a lot of things. So I got so sick of my name. It would be, just be a constant stream of Rich um, I had her, anytime she wanted me to do something, I had her call me Kevin. Um, so we're getting, we're getting close to that. <laughs> I just got sick of hearing my name. So you're, you're, you're Kevin, the IT guy. I'm Kevin, the IT guy. That's, that's exactly what I am. Uh, tonight, especially, I, you, you had, tonight is the first night of Passover. Uh, and you, you did a Passover. Did you do a Zoom with your family? Yeah, so we did we did a virtual Seder. It was actually kind of cool. So we're in Katona. My parents are in Chappaqua. My in-laws in Florida, and my brother is in Rochester. Mm-hmm. So the 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 four locations got together, and we did a we did a Seder. Um, we we stopped short of actually eating, but like we went through a Haggadah. Uh, my brother had a really cool virtual background, started of Jerusalem, and then he did a Seder plate. So uh, it's just, you know, people getting creative, um, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. Hmm. So it just, it was, it was kind of a neat thing. Um, I, I do hope that it's the, the first and last time that we do it, but uh, it was, it was fun to do. Were there any technical problems with getting the grandparents in particular, getting them onto Zoom? Well, I, so my mom set up the Zoom, I think. Your mom set up the Zoom. Uh, That's impressive. My mom set up the Zoom. Very impressive. Uh, not wanting to be late, my guess is that I think we actually beat them there. Uh, we, we signed in about five minutes early. They came in about four minutes early. It took a little bit more to get my in-laws in. Um, but they, they eventually got it. Elena turned out to be our Kevin, um, <laughs> which is a miracle in and of itself that she wound up being the IT person, but, uh, she got it done. I, it's really amazing. I, I made a joke on ours cause my parents couldn't get on. So you can envision we had, uh, the computer going with zoom and a bunch of families in laws, my sister, uh, and then we were holding up the phone, uh, with my parents who were on FaceTime cause they couldn't get into the zoom. So we were holding up, showing them to the computer. I made the joke during the the Seder, our short Seder, that the 11th plague is is Zoom for at least for grandparents. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was that was definitely challenging. Did you guys have a Haggadah? Like, did you read through? Just found like or? a 10 minute sort of uh, uh, Seder. It was it was quick, but. You know, I could just if if Zoom were a thing back in the desert, like Moses could have parted the Red Sea, uh, and then he would have gotten to like the Zoom challenge, and he would have had to turn around. You know, it's like <laughs> it just it would have been it would have been a challenge. I think it definitely would have. Well, I guess even if he was part of the Red Sea, there there'd probably be an app for that. Like he would have to do it himself. I guess so. I guess it's like they've been they were out in the desert for like thirty nine years, and they were so close to the end. And he's like, you know what? I can't figure this out. We've just got to turn back. 
So we've got a, a, a great uh, show for you. We've got uh, Dr. Pete uh, Rochelle. I'm going to turn uh, that over to Dave now, and, um, and uh, we're going to start that interview right now. So Dave, take it away. Thanks, Rich. Uh, we are pleased to welcome to the podcast Dr. Pete Rochelle. Uh, Dr. Pete is someone that I've known personally now for almost 11, 12 years, I guess, uh, when we moved up to Katona, uh, we were told that Dr. Pete, the singing pediatrician, is is a can't miss for multiple reasons. So our family has been seeing Dr. Pete and Dr. Nick in their practice for a number of years, uh, and we're pleased to have him with us. So what, what I'll do is maybe just give a little bit about his background, and then uh, we'll start asking some questions. So Dr. Pete uh, was born in Manhattan, uh, moved uh, to southeast Florida where he lived, uh, from ages three on, and he has been married for 45 years after meeting his wife in 10th grade AP English, uh, two daughters, four grandchildren. Uh, his training started in Albany Medical College, uh, had a pediatric ambulatory fellowship at Columbia Presbyterian. Uh, his general practice has been on Smith Avenue in Mount Kisco for 30 years as of March 1st. Um, he is now chief of pediatrics at Northern Westchester Hospital, uh, where he's been in that position for 11 years. Uh, and when he's not doing his day job, uh, he is a singer. And for those that know him, he's got albums. Uh, he's done a number of different projects. And what I just recently learned is that he received a callback to sing for the show The Voice. So not knowing this prior to this evening, may have to have a question or two about that experience. Um, one last thing that I do want to mention, because I think this is really, uh, really important, especially in these difficult times that we're living in. Uh, he lives by the following credos, faith, family, and friends. Yes, dear. <laughs> Listen to the children at any age. Moms are right until proven otherwise. Treat my patients as if they are my own family members and encourage the children to be kind, tolerant, non-entitled, giving individuals who want to be happy and healthy. So with that, it is our privilege to welcome Dr. Pete to the podcast. Hey, thanks very much, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Th thanks for joining. So I, I touched on in the intro this mix of entertainment and medicine how did this all come together and did you did you hit a deciding point whether you said i'm either going to go full broadway entertainment or in pediatrics is my calling well you know it's a uh, tough to break into that business and be really successful so you know you you usually have to have a backup with um when you're talking about entertainment so basically i've always loved um children i think i got that from um my mom, I asked her for a sibling since my older brother always um, always uh, beat on me and she did not <laughs> comply with a sibling. So therefore, I figured, well, pediatrics uh, allows me to help and care for um, children of all ages. Actually, it's newborns through about age 22. Uh, and I've always been just a happy singing kind of guy. So I like rhyming and singing. And so it's just a kind of a natural com combination since I'm um, since uh, my residency uh, up in Albany. So when you when you tried out for The Voice, what was the song that you sang? 
actually um two one was uh a a grandfather's prayer written by my uh, one of my best friends and writing partner um outstanding unbelievable composer and musician gary fry and it's a the grandfather's prayer that's actually what i sung on a video a video submission at 60 <laughs> one of their oldest uh contestants i guess that's great that's great so in this in this world that we're living in um you've got some interesting perspective because as we were just talking about before you are seeing uh covid patients but at the same time you're also <laughs> dealing with those that don't have covid right you're you're in the hospital you're dealing with newborns you're seeing a little bit of everything so maybe let, let's start with the non-covid if we can and just kind of get your perspective sure. um for, for parents uh that whose kids aren't feeling well what are you advising in terms of telehealth um what how has the practice changed how have you adapted and and what are you seeing okay well uh it is a, a very crazy crazy time and our thoughts and prayers are with everybody um especially those who are sequestered at home i know everybody's kind of getting used to this over the past um two or three weeks but certainly not easy so basically um when one thinks about uh the children and yourselves as parents um you have to just uh, be mindful that uh that minor illnesses are very common you can call and speak to us about those of course um you really only have to be concerned if there are uh parents in and out who may have potential exposure and if they have the covid-19 virus um you know then those families uh whose parents aren't staying home 24/7 with them otherwise out to the grocery store and back um they um they have to just think about uh particularly if we go beyond routine pediatric illnesses to say a febrile meaning with fever a febrile uh kiddo um and especially with cough or lethargy and you know uh, you all know your children um better than anyone and so if there's something that tells you you know something's not right then be sure not to hesitate to call your um your pediatrician and run it by them um uh in general uh again if a child is is showing symptoms then they certainly need to be seen and tested symptoms like uh fever that's spiking and um particularly and um and cough and general lethargy and with that of course as you know sleep pattern and feeding pattern they both get disrupted so those are kind of warning signs to then call your pediatrician more than the routine stuff that you would normally be concerned about um to then ask whether their opinion is that uh they should come to the testing center and uh, and be evaluated do you feel like you're seeing less non-covid patients right now like are people afraid to come see you for just normal regular everyday type issues yes rich absolutely in fact as i mentioned we have a well office for up to only 2 year old uh you know well checkups because we've got to get those frequent visits in and vaccinate them and reassure them and we're covered in full gear and everybody's protected but that's just the well office the sick office and on in Mount Kisco in this case my office for routine things we're really doing mostly telemedicine 
you know, virtual visits, uh, which are a little bit limiting. So, you know, we have a couple of kids come for routine things or a strep throat culture, et cetera, but not many. So that's, uh, it's really pretty empty or absolutely right. Parents aren't coming in because they don't want to come out. And you know what? We don't, we don't want them to come out unless they really have to. Um, so that's what's happening that us. And the telemedicine, just to comment on that, is good because just like I'm looking at you two uh, funky guys, um, we can see the patient with their parent and evaluate a lot of things. Um, tick rashes, the ticks are out now, as you know. Yeah. So rashes that might be from Lyme infection, right? I'm getting calls about that. Uh, and we can evaluate a respiratory effort see how that pink eye looks, but I certainly can't listen to the lungs and I can't look into that ear uh, canal and see that eardrum for an ear infection. So it is limiting, but you know, for now it works and, um, and everybody's making the best of it. How, how much uh, uh, of an increase have you seen from telehealth uh, over the last three, four weeks compared to, you know, four months ago or, or whatever? Oh, well, it's a hundred percent because we certainly never did it before. You know, you, oh, so you hadn't done it at all? Not at all in our practice, no, not whatsoever. So how, when, when did they implement that? How many weeks ago? And what is that ramp up oh, two, to? Yeah. Two, yeah, two, two weeks ago. And now we're, we're um, using it uh, actively. How, how did, uh, other than just some of the limitations, just uh, have there been, is it, is it tough technically to get on there and, and use it or, or it's been sort of okay? I'm glad you asked that. It's not at all technically. And for me, who can learn anything but am not techno savvy like you younger fellows, um, uh, it has been a, a breeze. And that's thanks to actually to the technology of Northwell Health Systems and our, uh, our own Westchester Health here, um, because they've got this IT thing down pat, thank the Lord. So um, it has been a uh, really an easy transition really for any of us, regardless of our um, experience with technology. Great. So Dr. Pete, when we spoke uh, about a week ago and talking about the podcast, one of the things that we talked about was deliveries and newborns and really even thinking about some of the changes uh, potentially as part of that process. So um, one of the nice things for you is with, with all of the bad news that's out there and everything that's happening, you're also getting to see these newborns, these first-time parents, which is which is a wonderful thing. I'm curious, has that process changed? Are there changes that you see happening? Um, what, what's been different about that? This whole aspect with newborns and delivery. Great question. At Northern Westchester Hospital, our community hospital here in Mount Kisco, as you well know, um, things are uh, different only in that anyone who enters. The hospital, of course, uh, instantly is screened and given um, uh, certainly a face mask. And then following that, um, there are no visitors allowed. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought that they were going to stop partners from being present in the DR, the delivery room. However, that did not uh, happen, which is a great thing. So partners indeed can be with delivering moms in the in the uh, labor and delivery room. And then in their rooms on postpartum floor, um, they don't need their masks. But when they're out in the hall, back and forth to the kitchen or the moms walking after a C-section, etc., they just have masks on. Uh, and the newborns are rooming in with them. That this kind of a new mother baby approach. 
with one nurse caring for them. Uh, and of course, if a baby needs the neonatal ICU, they're there at any rate, um, if they have any kind of uh, issue. Um, but otherwise, um, I'm glad to say that uh, everything pretty much other than no visitors and just them FaceTiming the grandparents and the relatives with the newborn, et cetera, um, not much has changed. Uh, one additional thing is we're trying to get them out a little earlier so they're not in the hospital, the moms and the newborns and the partners or dads um, any longer than they have to. So um, those are essentially, those are the changes um, in a nutshell. And most of what I've read about COVID, um, it, it seems like the, the younger younger children um, are, are more resilient to it. Is that, what about with newborns? Is there an additional concern or is there additional, is there any testing that happens with newborns that you're aware of? Uh, I know, and no testing at the moment. When a mom uh, is COVID positive, uh, and delivers a babe, the babe then is in isolation, in an isolation room, and visited by the mom with mask and gloves, et cetera. Um, and, uh, uh, um, but and no special testing for the infants as yet. Uh, in fact, around the country and the world, we're working on serologic testing for titers, just as I would draw a Lyme titer for you if we suspected Lyme to look for the antibodies. And we don't have widespread testing as yet, but that's, that's gonna come as well as uh, vaccination, but we can talk about that later if you wish. But otherwise, uh, and moms, by the way, have delivered who are positive. And so the babes have done fine thus far, thank the Lord. Um, but um, but it's kept in isolation while in the hospital, both both parties. Okay. Ready? Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned Northern Westchester Hospital. Um, the new CEO, Derek Anderson, um, recently put out a statement just indicating that I think they were building an out, uh, an out, a, a facility, a temporary facility in the parking lot with 40 kids. Um, what are you seeing at the hospital? Um, how can us being local supporters contribute to the hospital, contribute to the workers there? What, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, terrific, um, David. Northern Westchester Hospital, as um, I'm a very picky guy, and being on staff 30, uh, 30 plus years now, uh, I'm just so uh, proud of them, always have been. But with this crisis, they have all stepped up the caregivers, um, the nurses, the docs, listen, the housekeepers, the dietary people, uh, the security force. They just have all done such a marvelous job so far. I was over yesterday delivering some donated cosmetics for the faces of staff members who have had, you know, 12 hour shifts with those masks glued to their faces. The mask time is irritating. So when I was there, I commended them all. I dropped stuff off to the emergency department. They'll share it with uh, those who are laboring in the ICU. Um, but I'm, I'm just so so uh, pleased to actually to tell you that. I'm proud of the, the hospital. Uh, however, secondly, Yes, the ICU has now um, expanded to the PACU to hold ICU patients. The PACU would be a step-down unit from surgery, which, of course, you know we're not doing elective surgeries. So that PACU is empty and is now functioning as an ICU. They have, um, you know, I don't know, about 80. Well, I don't know the numbers right as of today, but uh, many patients with uh, COVID-19 on the wards who are stable. And, of course, the ER, the ED, the emergency department, is... Um, is of course uh, uh, seeing the patients initially, and of course admitting them. And then your your 
your last question was yes. We're Derek Anderson and, uh, and Kathy, the head of nursing, and everybody is doing a great job in leadership. And they yes are opening a um, a satellite, so a tent in the parking lot that nobody should be alarmed about because it's just a great thing. And that will be uh, for additional patients that have COVID nineteen. And it'll be fully set up as a just as a uh, as, as a general ward. What's what's and calling it and calling it the field hospital. So folks will see that uh, a tent in the parking lot, which, by the way, is not the tent for the fall gala. That's the only <laughs> the other time. Right. right? That, but, and by the way, your second question or your additional question was, uh, what is the community doing? This, you know, Katona, our village, um, Mount Kisco, wonderful, wonderful community support for both the neighborhoods and for our hospital. For instance, um, many donations to the, uh, the cosmetics that I brought was from uh, Lauren and Liana's friends company. Um, the uh, uh, Basilico is a local um, uh, Italian uh, pizza restaurant in Mount Kisco have donated lots of food to the hospital employees. Probably other um, uh, restaurants have done the same. Uh, and just tonight, between 6.30 and 7.30, to coincide with the outgoing day shift and the oncoming night shift, Guess what happened throughout the parking lot and the and the stream leading to the ER in, in our, on our campus? EMS rigs and fire, local fire departments lined up and paraded through with lights and just in tribute to those workers. Oh, that just right. happened just, just now. And then in our community, uh, not your Henry, but I know that there was a parade, uh, a parade for another Henry's birthday with signs and waving and distance. I mean, a parade for that. So that's marvelous. And in addition, um, I know that there are groups, uh, Lauren is and, and, and friends are making masks for friends and neighbors. Uh, Northwell is provided such that I think we're not low as yet in our facilities, in their health system for a routine protective, not N95, but for routine protective masks. But David and Rich, I must tell you that um, you know, it's it's lovely to live in a community where people care about one another, and that is throughout the last few weeks. That is what I have certainly observed. What what's the morale been like in the hospital and within the healthcare community, doctors, nurses, and um, if you could speak to that, and even just yourself too, and what you're you're going through every day. Great, Rich. Um, you know, as far as the hospital, they um, they I know that they are working hard, tirelessly, and selflessly, and at risk, but uh, taking all precautions. But they are keeping, uh, they're keeping each other um, really positive. And the leadership has helped with that, such that I'll mention this to you, with every discharge, despite the, uh, the craziness, the grimness, and, uh, and the illness and the deaths, with every hospital discharge at Northern Westchester, they have just begun to play a part of Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles over the loudspeaker throughout the hospital so that all the employees know there's another success and, and, and they were a big part of it. So I think that's a really wonderful thing that they're doing. That just started. Um, and, and as far as, so that will keep morale up. I know that we've seen a lot of news clips. I am, um, Sandy and I, tend not to watch too much news because she works for the Department of Health in New Rochelle and I'm 
I'm, uh, you know, on the front lines, as it were. And so we, we get updates and, you know, all day long. So we tend not to put on the news. But if one watches the news, one can see um, uh, folks, uh, nurses in distress and doctors in complaining about um, about uh, the environment or supplies. And I'm just not finding, thankfully, not finding that here. So the morale locally is, um, is up, though they're working hard, uh, a lot of measures to keep them... Um, boosted and supported. We're seeing a little bit of a, a flattening of the curve and, and some of the, the numbers out of the city are looking better over the last day or so. I, I didn't see what it ended up being today, but are, are you, where do you see things within the Northern Westchester community right now? Is it is it still on its way up or do you see a flattening? What's your perspective? <clears throat> no, that is uh, accurate, Rich. I think that we are seeing some flattening of the curve some slowing down, clearly in our hospital, some slowing down of admissions for hospitalization and slowing down uh, in our hospital of um, the degree of illness and the number of deaths. So I'm pleased to report that and I'm prayerful and, uh, and, and, uh, and thinking that, um, that we are planning in, in our county, not necessarily in the city, Long Island or Rockland, um, but certainly in our county. And that's a, um, that's a blessing to report. That that really is. I, I imagine with your wife being down in New Rochelle, you started to see this or you saw the urgency a lot quicker than, than maybe most people. You know, did you even before it hit New Rochelle, as things were starting to happen, maybe not in January or for, like, was there a point in time where you're like, oh, this is this is going to get bad here? Like, what was your <laughs> feeling on that as as it was developing? Yes, actually, I, I must tell you that I thought I'd be honest and admitting that I was not. um I wasn't cavalier, but initially on uh, several weeks ago, like a month ago, I thought, gee, um, we have uh, 39 million cases of influenza per year in our country, 400 and probably more, more than 400,000 hospitalizations and uh, more than 24, 25,000 deaths from flu. And we kind of accepted that. Um, and of course, A, we do have a vaccine for, um, you know, most folks do uh, do get that. And B, we have Tamiflu, which is a medication that's antiviral that can certainly um, uh, lessen symptoms and lessen the course. So, But given that, the flu season is, is you know, October to March. So that's six months. This, and I thought, initially I thought, well, this is going to be like that. It's a learning curve. We'll have to, it's a virus. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's putrid, but... We'll just learn what the season is and we'll deal because, I mean, look at those numbers and 24,000 deaths in America that we've um, that we kind of just have accepted. On the other hand, my perspective really has changed because this is, I believe, much more virulent and um, much more aggressive. And um, though all of them can be worse uh, influenza and any virus can be worse for the very young and the very old, but this is particularly worse after, say, 70 or 75 years of age. Uh, you know, they say after 60, but if you look at the charts, uh, a little men a little bit greater than women, um, and ethnicities are involved as well in urban settings. But at any rate, um, uh, this is um, this is more aggressive. So I have um, a deeper respect for it now, and and seeing and treating patients with it. Um, uh, makes me even uh, more so. So, and I, and I put down. If you're interested, I just put down a couple of uh, quick numbers um, for you. Would you like me to just quickly share those sure, about COVID please. and the numbers? Please. 
Absolutely. Okay, great. So, uh, so here's the action. Hold on just a second. You know, I'm going to put on some glasses now. <laughs> <laughs> serious. Uh, just an old dude. Okay. So in the world, total cases from COVID-19, um, 1.5 million. In the USA, 425,000. Okay. And in New York, total cases, 149,000. In the world, total deaths, 87,000, almost 88,000. In the USA, total deaths, 14,500, okay, 14,000. And in New York, total deaths, 6,200, so over 6,000 deaths. Almost, uh, I'd say about 40% of which are in our state. Um, you know, 20,000 plus hospitalizations, active cases in New York, um, 128,000 as we speak. Um, so given that, and what I was saying about a comparison to influenza, this is much more rapid. If you look at the curve over the last four weeks, it's it's just kind of exponential. So, uh, so the comparison to influenza, although those are daunting numbers for flu, um, uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's not realistic because that's a six month season. And now we have yet to this a learning curve. We have yet to learn about this season. I'm uh, as we said, I'm I'm very glad to see some flattening in our, which I think is real in our county. But, um, uh, uh, you know, that's real, but we just, we don't know the season. So is this going to be three, right. four months? I mean, you look at China and Italy, things simmer down. Is this going to be four months in and out? So those are things to consider uh, as as the spring and summer uh, continues. Yep. So one of the things that th- there's been a lot of debate on is treatment. And... Specifically, I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation probably, but hydroxychloroquine. You got it. You did well. And thank you. I, I've, I've only been practicing for the last six hours. Um, so, uh, what are your thoughts there? Um, we've heard of cases where it's worked, heard of cases where it hasn't. Um, do you have any thoughts on it? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Um, so there's an antiviral medication Excuse me. It's remdesivir. Remdesivir. It's an antiviral. It's being worked on. There's clinical trials going on. Uh, I should preface by saying there's really no FDA approved treatment or therapy other than supportive care. Right. So that and that includes, of course, evaluating oxygen leading to a ventilator if one needs that for lung support uh, and praying that um, that uh, that a patient survives. Um, uh, Now, we add to that if there's a secondary a bacterial infection, I think we just flood any broad spectrum antibiotic, certainly in the ICU setting or on the wards, that is um, that is reasonable to do. And by that, I mean that uh, you fellows know, and most folks know that when you have a viral infection, you are compromised by definition. So um, you are uh, susceptible to um, to a secondary, you know, kind of opportunistic organism that can be a bacteria. So antibiotics can have a place there. But as to your question, back to this, an antiviral called uh, remdesivir is uh, undergoing clinical trials as we speak, and we're hopeful for that. And then the chloroquines, that hydroxy, uh, you know, chloroquine. <laughs> I did that for your benefit. Anyway, the chloroquines are anti-malarials that folks have seen in the news, and um, and there are clinical trials happening in our country on that. And in addition, azithromycin which everybody knows uh, familiarly 
uh, as uh, colloquially as a ZPAC. That's azithromycin, a five-day course, um, you know, a eight or 10-day course or even two weeks of the antimalarials. That has been shown in limited studies to be helpful in folks with COVID-19. So if you see in that in the news, that is, uh, that's what you're asking about. In France, in Marseille, um, they had, again, small cohort of uh, patients, but they had suggest saying that the viral load was decreased and the, um, and the I guess they did, uh, you know, for six days was their key number. They did um, nasal and pharyngeal swabs and found that they weren't positive six days out while they were on that um, medication. And some were asymptomatic and some were symptomatic. Um, but these, um, again, the bottom line is clinical trials are going on. These, I guess, can be used if, if docs wish to. Um, I don't know that anybody's actively um, using them as we speak. Um, they perhaps are. I'd have to check with the folks on the ICU for those who are uh, the most ill, uh, the ZPAC or azithromycin, they and, and, um, and the antimalarials. But that's the, that's a comment on that for now. And from a public health perspective, obviously social distancing, washing your hands, are there any other things that you're telling friends, family, patients that they should be doing? No, that really is all that they should be doing. One, the staying at home, unless one is uh, an essential provider of, of, uh, of, of anything, and they of course are going to and fro. So staying at home and this, this, um, uh, you know, that certainly uh, just obviously will prevents any spread of folks symptomatic or otherwise to others. The uh, social distancing is absolutely appropriate. I want everybody that, uh, you know, I feel badly for the folks that are in a small apartment in the city. I don't, I don't know how they're doing it, but you and I and, and our kids and grandchildren, uh, my grandchildren, they certainly can go outside. Uh, and that the social distancing business of six plus feet away or more is is uh, is wise. When we're outside, I don't want folks to think they have to have gloves and masks on. They certainly can, but um, uh, I just uh, would encourage folks to breathe the fresh air and enjoy and just be away from others. So being outside and great and taking walks and waving and chatting, but being at a great at great distance is important. The hand washing is key. Um, that's more than key. You just did a actually hand washing video for Northwell for the inpatient children um, over at Cohen Children's Medical Center um, on Long Island. Um, and so hand washing is is big time. And it, it, if our children never respected hand washing before, <laughs> they're surely going to do it all the time now. Uh, at any rate, that and um, and of course a mask and glove for uh, for moms and dads and others who are going basically a parent who is going to get food, right? And certainly don't go every day, but when you do go to De Chico Stop and Shop or wherever, um, uh, then of course, uh, gloves and masks, masks are just a very wise thing. I, I'm glad that I see at CVS and, um, and the grocery stores that uh, most of them have um, the uh, wipes at the very front uh, of the store as you come in and you can certainly, well, you have gloves, you can still certainly wipe the uh the handle of the grocery cart etc so those things i believe are not overkill so, um i think that's wise and when a family is together and hasn't been out at all they're safe but again a parent coming and going from the grocery store i think as long as we're diligent with the glove and mask um 
uh, deal, that's fine. Some are also taking their uh, their uh, wipes and and wiping, say, uh, the plastic or boxed containers of the food or the cartons of milk when they come in, and you know, and that's fine to do as well. Um, so I think, but that's it, David. I think, and Rich, um, not not any more than that is is necessary. Remember, in the car, I've seen some folks driving. I, not that they're inhibited with a mask on, but you know, the virus is not in your car. So I don't know. <laughs> I that have seen that quite a bit. Yeah. In your car are necessary. I don't want folks to uh, think that that's um, uh, something that's uh, required. So Dave, Dave keeps inviting my family and me over for a dinner uh, and a sleepover. That's a no-no, correct? <laughs> Absolutely correct. All right, I keep All telling you that, Dave. There will be time for that in the future. <laughs> well, then the this goes away. Outside, I think it would be perfect for you. I mean, you know, we never said that you'd be sleeping inside that. So I, it, <laughs> that's, right. that, that's fair. <laughs> what's what's it like? We'll, we'll we'll start wrapping up. What's what's it been like for you? going in every day or those days when you're you're going to the hospital or the sick office like what is that like to go and then what's it like when you get home well you know it's the same for me guys um i i don't know uh, why other than my faith and my family and just being a happy guy and an optimistic guy and a prayerful guy um i don't have anxiety uh, about this i want to be smart careful uh for for my family with and with respect to my exposure, uh, and I will continue to, to do so until this season is over. Although, as, as yet, we're, we don't know when that will be. Um, but I don't have, um, um, thank you for asking uh, uh, and caring. I don't have anxiety, but I just go in and do uh, the right stuff and, and care for the, the folks that I love. That's, that's it. Thank you for that. And my pleasure. And, and Dr. Pete, so how are your, what are your grandchildren doing? Well, how are they spending the time aside from uh, soon to be listening to this podcast? <laughs> well, they are uh, wonderfully well. Uh, Robin and Cole and uh, their parents, Liana and Matt, are two hours north in the Berkshires. They're both teachers. So they're teaching distance learning to their students and, um, and of course, helping with the uh, the kids at home and they are going outside. They are social distanced as uh, and they're on the rural side of things. Um, so they're uh, they're certainly safe. Uh, Lauren and Craig have um, that's Liana and Matt are upstate. La- Lauren and Craig have Oliver and Hazel right there in the village, and so they're um, doing their distance learning and. Um, they are. Lauren is working from home. Craig is teaching from home. He's just physical ed in uh, in Manhattan, so he's distance teaching, and the kids are doing well. They go to uh, or their KES. Uh, I was at KES. Um, Hazel Grace is at CCC, and they're getting outside for breaks. They've got a yard, thankfully, that they can do that with, um, uh, distanced from their friends. So they're taking breaks, and you know what? they're making work. Very uh, creative. Both both uh, homes of my daughters and son-in-laws because they are finding cre- very creative ways to keep the kids going and to um and to uh you know keep them uh happy with such a, a really pretty drastic change for all of our families um i i must say that uh, our community is doing a, a great um a great job as i said at kind of encouraging all of that and everybody i think in in Katona village is is really in great compliance i don't hear anything 
negative. And, and, and you know, guys, in terms of the season, uh, though you've not asked, uh, we're still learning. We don't know when this will go away. You know, influenza, it's a given October through March. Um, we know when it peaks in January. Uh, but this, I hope that it goes soon. Um, I'm, uh, you've not asked, and I'm not within the school district, but I'll be surprised if we get back um, into uh, our school buildings by not until September. I, I won't be so su- I won't be surprised if 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 we're going back in September. But I, I that's certainly no official comment, and I have no gleaning on that from anybody. Um, but just the way this is going, because we want to be so safe. Um, and then again, as I said, we're hopeful for uh, for the development of vaccine. But you know that's gonna I'm guessing that's gonna take well over a year. And testing, right? And testing, you know, if we could test everybody with a rapid test. That would be great because a great thing because some uh, some are symptomatic, I'm uh, sorry, asymptomatic, but are infected. You know, a couple of days before getting ill with symptoms, so that would be a grand thing. And then finally, uh, um, testing um, not just a rapid uh, test for the virus, but testing titers. We wanted to say, you know, uh, next year or something. Well, do just like we do Lyme titers, we could draw a blood test and see if you've got the antibodies and then, okay, you're not worried about that virus again for life. So that will be a, a great, great advance when it happens. That's interesting. Let, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. I, as we look into the future, um, when do you see yourself going to a wedding or a sporting event or a concert or something where there's a large crowd? Like, is that something that you've thought about? Uh, I have, and I feel so terribly that we have even friends that are postponing weddings for a year and celebrations, and this is Passover, you know, holidays, Easter is coming. I feel so badly uh, for this. Of course, I think everybody's accepted that it's a necessity and that we'll do uh, virtual Passovers and virtual um, Easter's and birthdays and parades, etc. cetera. Uh, but you know what? I, 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 it certainly will. We, here's the bottom line. I firmly believe that we will get through this. We will get through this together. We'll get through this together for all like-minded and committed uh, and caring for one another in any way that we can, supporting the troops out there, um, supporting uh, each other in in each particular home, uh, especially um, the ones that, uh, you know, and the homes of our loved ones. And we'll get through this. Uh, We will get back to large gatherings. This is not a forever thing, but we have to know when the season ends. And just like influenza and out by March, and then we're not kind of worried about it, uh, you know, from April on, we'll know then when this comes down, when it stops uh, causing illness, and then we'll be right back to, um, right back to that, uh, you know, right back to attending all of our functions and scheduling them and small businesses being operating and nobody going broke and hopefully the economy, the economy coming back up. One final thing, if I may offer uh, Rich David and Craig at home, feel better, is please, and we'll meet again if, uh, if I'm invited back. I might have scared everybody away. I don't know. But <laughs> one final encouraging uh, note that I would um, offer to the families and the parents, especially in the adults that listen to your um, podcast, is this. Please stay unified together as a family. And by that, I mean, I encourage on the postpartum ward, when a baby's born, I encourage from Jump Street, I encourage uh, um, a new mom and dad not to let two things come between them, 
for all of life, for growing old together is really the plan as a couple. And those two things are the children and money. And this is very, very hard, especially now with everybody home together, not going out for work, uh, for a break um, uh, from the from family life and from the couple. You know, we, we all need space. And guess what? Our young families don't have much space right now. So I encourage uh, them all, whoever's listening, to, um, to keep that in mind and to do your best to give each other breaks. One parent, go for a run, you know, et cetera. Whatever it takes to stay together in this otherwise increasingly kind of stressful time. Okay. That's a that's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for your time here with us today, for um, everything that you're doing with the kids and within the hospitals, and, and please give our best to, to everybody you're, you're you're seeing in the hospitals as well. I will do so, guys, and thanks so very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to uh, hang out with you. Awesome. So uh, as we sign off here, one of the things that we wanted to touch on, which we talked about with Dr. Pete, at the conclusion was how can we support um, the, the the tremendous staff and folks that are all working tirelessly at our local hospitals, in this case, Northern Westchester. Um, so, you know, he was mentioning that a lot of people have been making uh, cards, sending their well wishes, thank you notes, inspirational messages, whatever it is. So we would encourage you all um, for you, your children, with all this time that we have, uh, send your notes, keeps, whether it's email, actual notes that, be, that can be delivered to the hospital. I think those are tremendously um, important to the staff, keep their spirits up. Um, obviously, they're going through a tremendously difficult time. So anything that we can do to support them would be great. And these are just things that don't take us a lot of time to do, um, but would really be impactful. So uh, for those that can do it, please do. Uh, and again, can't thank enough the, all the clinicians, even the non-clinician hospital staff uh, that are just working on end um, dealing with this uh, pandemic. We just, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, agree. Well said. Uh, thank you to everybody. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Love to all. And Craig, uh, we're happy you're doing well um, and we miss you here. So We'll get you on the next one and um, and take care. Until then, this has been Whitlockville, a Katona podcast. A little podcast about a nice little town. Talking to people you know about the places you go. Whitlockville, a Katona podcast. Town so nice that they rolled it away. Dave, Rich, and Craig have some things to say about Katona.